Welcome back, you guys, to the Hair Full of Secrets podcast, where we explore the impact that hair and beauty practitioners have on our clients' mental health and wellness and how we take care of our own. I'm your host, Paige Klobinoff, and today we will be talking with Emily Chen. I really loved having her as a guest on my podcast. She has such great insight on being a leader of a salon, and I can't wait for you guys to hear her perspective. So without further ado, let's jump right in. I have the lovely Emily Chen with me today from Brooks in Harlow Salon in Rochester, New York. She's actually in her salon today, which is a treat. It looks gorgeous. So Emily, I'll let you kind of quickly introduce yourself. Cool. Let's go. So I've been in the industry for almost 20 years now, and I opened up Brooks and Harlow Salon in 2018. I'm also an educator. I'm on Instagram and I do hair. I teach hair and I'm, I'm obsessed with, with this career path. I'm obsessed with this industry. I think there's so much power in what we do that so many of us don't even know about. I'm just incredibly passionate about the professional beauty industry. So thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped about this podcast and, and yeah, here we thank are. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, um, I loved following your career. So just a little background for you guys, Emily and I are from the same hometown. And when I was starting to look at salons, everyone was talking about this gal, Emily Chen in my hometown and how she does this amazing work. And she was one of the people I should look at working with, but I've been following her on Instagram ever since then. Her Instagram page is always very informative and just very positive and uplifting towards clients and her Um, team. And so I thought she'd be the perfect person to have on the podcast because she has such a loving attitude towards our industry. So fun questions. We'll start with those. What is your favorite workday beverage? This is going to be kind of boring, but (laughs) it is also water. (laughs) Really? And sometimes if I want to get a little spicy, I'll have sparkling water. I know, I know there's coffee or Starbucks and I'm not, in fact, if someone does a Starbucks run, I'm like, like the most boring, cheapest day. I'm just like, get me like a black tea. It's like a dollar and it's great. And I love just plain black tea. I feel like I should have worked with you. (laughs) I know we're like soul sisters. I know. I love this. That's the best that I do both. So mm-hmm. I'm with you there or a hot tea. Caffeine just doesn't really, like, I don't ever crave caffeine. I don't need that energy. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I love that. And then another question for you. Do you have like a favorite song or like pump up for work track or routine that you have to abide by every day? Oh my God. People are either going to love this or hate this. Okay. okay this because I've seen all these memes lately but since Christmas is coming up I'm obsessed with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas I can play that on repeat in my car and just jam to it on the way to work and it like pumps me up I never get sick of that song I mean obviously there's like a time of the year where it's like okay really but I think we've hit the time of the year where it's appropriate and I have no shame about it do you have a favorite Instagram or TikTok to follow oh my gosh I have so many I love Gary V. I love following him on both TikTok and Instagram. I love how straightforward he is. I love his message. And I love how he has this huge potty mouth. Something just, I guess I just vibe with the, the potty mouth there. It just draws me in. I don't know why. Um. <laughs> he's, he's the motivational speaker, right? 
Yeah. Or like he, yeah. I just started following him this week. That's so funny. He's great. I mean, so many, like the Blonde Chronicles, um, Jacob Kahn, he's hilarious. Love his content. Gina Bianca. Okay. I'm going to have to look all these people up. (laughs) This is so fun for me because I end up getting everybody's like people that they love. And then afterwards I get to go follow them myself and like join the train. So you already told us how long you've been in the beauty industry. I'm curious what led you to taking that path and if you have something you specialize in. Okay. So I started in this industry super young. I was in high school at the time. I was about 15. I was failing all of my classes. Speaking of mental health on this podcast, I was going through a lot at home. And I think the combo of being a teenager and also having things going on at home and being like this angsty emo teen, I just didn't care about school. I like never went to any of my classes. I'm pretty sure I had a zero as my average in social studies. So I was doing really poorly. And my mom was probably at her wit's end with me, a poor thing. And one day my cousin said, Hey, just so you know, there's this trade school type of thing. And, you know, Emily could take a trade for half the day, get high school credit for it, and then go back to high school the other half of the day. And that way, hopefully it'll keep her from not making it through high school. When I heard about that, what sold me on it was the fact that it would make skipping school a lot more convenient because it's really hard to find different ways to skip your classes. Like you have to come up with new experiences all the time. It's a lot of work. Okay. And a lot of storytelling. So I'm like, this is perfect. I just will go to cosmetology and I just won't go back to school. And I don't know what it was, but on that very first day, walking into the classroom, something just clicked. I knew that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my career. And I had never felt that way before because this whole time leading up until then, I just was this angsty teenager. I didn't give, give an F about anything. And now I gave a lot of Fs about this particular thing. I knew that I wanted this. I actually ended up dropping out of high school. It was kind of like me saying to myself, all my eggs are in this basket. And obviously that was not taken well by my family. And I'm the type of person where if someone tells me that I can't do something, I will... I'll do the shit out of it. Right, right. So I did. I was on my way to my my beauty school graduation ceremony. My grandma was coming. She's from Taiwan. She didn't speak a word of English. One of my family members said to me, just so you know, she thinks this is your high school graduation. So just stick with the story. And I'm like, okay. So I did. So I, you know, was basically told to lie to my grandma and tell her it was my high school graduation. And I still to this day don't even know if she really, if she knew that it was my beauty school graduation that she attended, but she thought she was, which is strange because there were. Well, if she listens to this girl, she's going to find out. (laughs) I know. (laughs) There's like 20 people graduating or something. It's really small, but for some reason, she's like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, high school graduation. She suspended her disbelief. She's like, this is what high schools look like. But Apparently. that kind of thing that kept happening over and over again is what helped to drive me. And it, it's also what, you know, I, I told you earlier that I'm passionate about this industry, but I'm also passionate about helping people through this industry because mm-hmm. this industry and working in it has given me so, so much. And I know it can be so rewarding for other people too. Stories like mine are not unique. 
I think it's very common when I talk to a hairstylist or an esthetician that I hear things like, oh, my family wasn't a huge fan of me going to school for this at first, or, oh, my parents told me, why don't you go to college first? And if that doesn't work out, then you can go to hair school. Like, mm-hmm. you know, basically if you kind of just suck at everything else, then maybe hair school, <laughs> is fun, right? I had almost the opposite. Like oh. I went to college. I had the option to do most things. It never occurred to me to do beauty school, but I ended up going home and becoming like a drunk waitress. And my dad was like, can you please just get a nine to five and like work a desk job? You're smart. You can do anything you want. Like go do anything else. I ended up going to cosmetology school and both of my parents were very supportive of it in theory, but my dad was like, really, you're going to go back to cosmetology school. Like you have your bachelor's degree. You could do anything. Why are you doing that? And I'm like, it's a job. You asked me to get a job. This is what I'm doing. It's art. It's science. It's people. It's everything I could possibly want. And I think a lot of our parents' generation more so than ours now see the beauty specifically hair space in like the lens of they see beauty school dropout and they're like no this isn't right for you but you can ask any of them and they have peers that are hairstylists that do fantastically for themselves but there's like a disconnect there I don't know why that is I don't know why either but I'd like to change it I would too it's making me think of this like self-growth course that I took called flip the script if anybody's interested I can send you a link it was fantastic But she did this whole exercise where we had to come up with labels and how we identify ourselves. And I had all this shame around telling people that I'm a hairdresser or hairstylist, whatever term you want to use, because I felt like it insinuated that I wasn't as intelligent or successful as I am and everything that I've done in my life. But I think probably a lot of people in our industry experience that. Right. Everyone's story is different. I know that I share this with a lot of people in our industry, like the type of story that I have. I mean, to this, like now, obviously my, my family is like proud of me. They talk about what I do, yeah. but in the beginning it wasn't so well received. And, and I think, you know, I, I really want to change that because you can have a very fulfilling, rewarding and lucrative career as a hairstylist that is my story. That's how I got into the beauty industry almost 20 years ago. And then thrills is where I I went to my first hair show ever. They sent me to the IBS show in New York and I was just enamored. And I saw these people on stage and I'm like, I want to do that. Whatever it is that they're doing, however they got there, like, I want to do that. So I eventually, a couple of years later, found a product line that I really loved, Thermafuse, and I ended up educating for them. And they ended up sending me all over the world, like all over, all over the United States. They sent me to Hawaii, they sent me to Dubai, like Canada, all sorts of places. And I got to do that and be on stage and speak and learn from a lot of really great people who helped me become who I am. And then that leads us to 2018, where I opened up Brooks and Harlow Salon. And here we are. And that's my story. <laughs> I love it. Do you have any particular service that you feel you specialize in? I love doing the whole shebang, the whole makeover. Like I love a good chop and, and I also love melty colors, any sort of Mm -hmm. transitional color. I kind of love it all. I feel like being able to do everything. I appreciate it because then I feel like I can really give my clients whatever they need when they come in. And also you do the cutest bobs. 
you did one a couple weeks back. I think it was like the modern shag or something like that. Yeah. And I was, I used some of that in my cutting. So it was oh, helpful. Oh, Thank I you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So favorite product lines and products. I'm assuming Thermafuse is your favorite product line and products. Thermafuse. I love Kevin Murphy. I love how it smells. And then we just uh, brought on Davaness. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. That's always the reaction that I get from people. Like there are people out there that are diehard Davaness fans and I'm, I'm becoming one of them because I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with them. I've been using Davaness for like three or four years. And though I'd say like, I think having multiple product lines is really like the best strategy in my opinion. Cause like, nobody's going to do everything the best. Right. I feel like they have a very well-rounded collection of products that most of them are really good. I'm not going to lie. When I realized that they were from Parma, Italy, I was like, Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their show is in Parma this year. Oh. I, would love to actually like become an educator for them someday. You'll have to let me know what you think of their stuff. If you have like a favorite product of theirs, once you've used them a little longer. Oh, totally. um, do you have a funny and or favorite story that you'd like to share with us from your time as a beauty practitioner? <laughs> so I had this client for about three years when I saw her name in my book for the first time, it was spelled D E L. O-I-S. So I was like, oh, is it Delois? Okay. When you see a name and you're like, how do you pronounce it? Right. And then you just kind of go out there and you like mumble their name a little bit and just, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I, I did that and I, um, I go to the front and I'm looking at her ticket. I'm like, Delois? And this, this um, cute little petite lady, she's probably in her mid sixties, had like a pixie cut, really curly hair stands up. She goes, oh, hi, it's me. A little bit of a Southern accent. Love it. She ends up becoming my regular every four week color and cut client for three years. And a the lowest into this, I switched salons. So I'm at, at my new salon now and I see her in my schedule. I know it's her, even though her name is spelled incorrectly, they, they put her in as Dolores Smith, but I'm like, it's gotta be Dolores. So sure enough, Delois comes in. I'm like, I knew it. So I'm like, hey, Delois, come on back. You know, thank you so much for coming. You know how excited you are when you started at a new salon. Right. Client. So we're catching up. And then at some point during the conversation, I'm like, okay, Delois. So when you cash out, just make sure you let the girls know at the desk to adjust your name. It's so funny. They have you in as Dolores. They must have misheard you over the phone. And she's like, oh, well, that's my name. And I'm like, what? I'm <laughs> Dolores and I'm like I've been Dolores for like three years and she's like I know I just never corrected you I'm just still like <laughs> speechless because I've been she's been letting me call her Dolores for three years every month for three years oh my god so now anytime someone at the salon is stressing because they they like accidentally called their client the wrong name or whatever, or if that ever happens to you, I just want you to remember the Lois. Okay? <laughs> That's not even a name. You didn't question it. She didn't question it. She's like, that'd be me. Yeah. That's so funny. I called a client the wrong name for three years. You know, it's fine. Wow. I love that. And I love that it was like DeLois. That's really funny. Is there a time that you ever felt like you made a big mistake 
other than calling somebody the wrong name for three years. <laughs> oh my God. So, so many times. I feel like my right. wife made of mistakes, but one that I, that's burned into my memory forever is the first time I cut a graduated Bob on the floor. So I had only been assisting for like six months and one of my first clients is a graduated Bob and I had only ever cut them in hair school. She shows me a picture of Victoria Beckham posh spice from the early 2000s that really cropped back a nice fierce angle. Everyone wanted that haircut at the time, but her hair was down to her collarbone and she's like, but I don't want to lose any length. I like my length. And me being a new stylist, instead of consulting, I just said, sure. I don't know why. I said, okay. Right. So I start cutting the back really nice and crop tight. And as soon as I cut the back and I started on the sides, I realized that I had like about eight inches to go to connect from the back nape to her collarbone. And I'm like, okay, shit. I just went with <laughs> I, it. I angled it down in the craziest, steepest angle you've ever seen. I was like 18 years old at that time. I didn't really have the skills to, to deal with this mentally or to right. do or say or how to address it. And my client didn't say anything. And then I didn't say anything, even though I should have. And she just left the salon like that and she never came back. So if she's listening to this ever and she, then it's her, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what I should have done, what I should have done is been like, oh, so, you know, if you want to keep your length longer, we need to find a different picture. And then went from there and not have said, okay, because that's right. one of the biggest mistakes. I think a lot of new hairstylists do is we say, okay, Hey, can you do this? Okay. Hey, my hair's black. Can you make me blonde in like an hour? Okay. My hair's black. Can you make it like clear in like an hour? Okay. <laughs> You're like, I will be the first that will change the laws of bleaching hair. <laughs> and I will get you here in two hours with no damage because I... Yeah. For no money. I'm just gonna, and you're gonna be yeah. platinum. It's perfect. <laughs> I feel like that's like a new stylist rite of passage, like oh, getting a client and believing that you can just do the magic and it will just happen. You just want to say yes. You just want yeah. to <laughs> Right. Well, and especially being that age, like it's hard to it's even now it's hard to sometimes like tell clients that their expectations and what they want and what they can have are not the same thing. And when you are both young and new in this field, it's, it's intimidating. The biggest favor you can ever do your client is giving it to them straight. Yes. Yeah. No. When you need to say no, obviously it took me some time to learn that, but right. now that is a huge part of what I teach, um, especially when it comes to consulting and setting, setting realistic expectations. That is everything. That is yeah. everything. Yeah. A lot of times, like when people want to make that big of a change, it's triggered by something that happens in their personal life, like a breakup. And they're like, I know that I told you I wanted to be platinum blonde, but today I'd like to go jet black and cut off eight inches and bangs and bangs <laughs> always the bangs I always ask people when they say they want bangs if they're going through a breakup I have no shame in asking them and like 50% of the time they are and I'm like maybe we wait like two sessions yeah I'm curious for you Emily like when I say mental wellness and self-care like what does that mean to you 
Okay, so it means a lot of things. And I have to, I've got to be real. When I first got to that, those set of questions that you sent me, I was, I was reading over them last week and I got stuck there and I stared at it for a while. And there was a part of me that almost wanted to reach back out to you and say, Paige, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm the right person to speak on this in your podcast because I'm still working on those self-care things myself. I'm still doing that myself. When I think of self-care, I automatically think of like drawing a hot bath with some lit candles or going to yoga every day. And I'm like, I don't do any of those things. I'm like a workaholic. And so I, I was stuck on it. And then later that night, I was talking to my friend, Lindsay. Lindsay is, um, she's an amazing master stylist that works with me. I think so- she started following me on Instagram. Oh, did she? Oh, good. Yeah. A couple days ago. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Cause I was telling her about this, about this podcast uh-huh. and I'm like, I don't know. I think she, you know, we, they have the, all these self, she has all these self-care questions. And I'm like, you know me, I'm like notorious, notorious. for not taking time out for myself. We're not taking days off, you know, for working, working, working all the time. I'm like, I don't know if I can speak on this. And mm-hmm. I started to like say, you know, go down this rabbit hole of all the reasons why I, I shouldn't. And I'm like, you know, sometimes when I get out of work, I drive home and I park my car in the garage and I sit in my parked car in the garage for like 40 minutes on my phone, scrolling through it, going on Gary V's Instagram or going on some influencers, TikTok, just checking stuff out, maybe answering emails, you know, more work, but doing it by myself and, you know, with no one else around me. And I just, I like doing that. And I'm like, you know what, Lindsay, like that's my self-care. And I almost said it in a sarcastic way, like, this is my form of self-care. And she goes, why don't you just say that? And then it kind of clicked. And because that is my form of self-care, I actually enjoy doing that. I know we were talking earlier about hustle and, and, you know, burning yourself out and things like that. There is this negative connotation associated with the word hustle and hustle culture and toxic hustle culture and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that when someone is working themselves to the bone and they're burnt out and they're bringing this negative energy home and it's affecting their lives and their relationships and their mental health, then that is toxic and just, you know, stop doing that. But that's not the type of hustle that I I see my hustle as. Like, I, I feel like I've always been a hustler, but I love what I do. You know, I work when I'm at work. I work when I'm at home. I work when I'm I'm sitting in my car for 40 minutes sometimes, but (laughs) at the end of the day, when I take a, a moment to stop, and I look at everything that I've done and accomplished, the relationships that I've built with people, the, the people that I've been able to help and the people I've been able to meet and the ripples that have happened from that, I feel unbelievably fulfilled. I feel full and it makes me incredibly happy. We need to differentiate you know, between the two. I think when you really genuinely love what you do, that is very different than when you feel like you have to hustle and hustle and hustle to get to the next exactly. thing so you can eventually get to do the thing that you want to do. But if you're already doing the thing that you want to be doing and you feel like you're growing in that and doing that maybe 20 out of the 24 hours of the day. Like, I think that's awesome. I think that's fantastic. And I appreciate you sticking through and agreeing to come on, despite the fact that you were like, I don't know if I'm the right person. I feel like in theory, everybody's the right person for this because everyone's answers to these questions are going to be different. And that's kind of the point is like, there isn't one size fits all, right? right? Everyone has a different concept of like what mental wellness is. 
what self-care is, how they take care of themselves. I actually also sit in my car. <laughs> I, After, I like love it. It's I do too. Car and my boyfriend will like eventually come into the garage like an hour later and he'll be like, are you, are you going to like come in? Yeah. Mine's not after work because I work from home, but when I go out, come back and I'll park in the garage and like 40 minutes go by. I'm in total peace. It's quiet. There's no one coming around. There's no windows to distract me with like people walking by. My roommate's not here. It's perfect. I love that time. I've had a neighbor come to my car one time to ask me if I was okay because he had no car for so long by myself I'm like I'm fine I'm just being weird and this is what I do sometimes <laughs> I will say though like again thinking about the the self-care and wellness questions in relationship to our industry the way that you know the way that I run I know is not for everyone and sure I have a salon you know there's 13 of us and we put a huge focus on self-care and your mental health and wellness we, when we do reviews, we have people fill out this form. Like, I want to know what someone's perfect week would look like. Like how many hours did you work in the perfect week? What type of clients did you get to do in that perfect week? What's your perfect year? How many vacations would you take in your perfect year? And where would you go in your perfect year? And we figure out a way to get them on that schedule in their perfect year, perfect week, perfect day with the types of clients that they want, because this career should be fun. It should be artistry. And I think sometimes when we think of toxic hustle culture, it makes me think of that type of salon culture where you are booked like every half an hour and it's just person after person after person after person. And it's like a factory and you don't take a lunch and you don't do this and you don't do that. Um, you mean one of the salons I worked at, I won't say their name, my clients will know, but um, where I was working 12 hour days and was double booked back to back for the full 12 hours and didn't have a lunch break and that is not minimum okay. wage. That's only a- <laughs> Hey, if you want to do it, because I do know some styles that like like to do, and they just they just want to pack in a million people and get in and out. But if you don't want to do that, and that doesn't bring you joy. I actually don't mind working 12 hour days, only a couple days a week, but I don't love double booking them. Okay. And I don't like it when it's forced on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I worked in well, cultures like that too. And yeah. It's stressful. It makes your mm-hmm. job not fun. Like for me, I like to spend five hours on one person, but I get to like be very detailed, be very mindful with my work. And at the end of the day, I'm proud of my work. When I was put in situations where I had, where I was forced to squeeze people in where they didn't fit, I was forced to cut corners. I was forced to do, you know, and then you're not proud of your work. You see your work walk out and you're not like, Ooh, I love that. You know, you just kind of feel like you're working your ass off for not a lot of satisfaction. Right. Would you go to beauty school and go into the most creative industry ever to not be satisfied with your work? Yeah. And I think that takes a toll sometimes too on the psyche. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm very like emotionally impacted by my clients' experiences. If they're not happy, I always tell my clients the same thing. I'm like, I'm not going to be personally offended if you're not happy with my work. I'd rather you tell me so that we can fix it and get it to a place that you want to be than feel like you're going to hurt my feelings. And it doesn't hurt my feelings. What I do have a hard time with is when I look at it and I know that it's not correct and I could have done something different, but I don't have time or I wasn't given that ability to change it because I have to like back to back to back pack people. It eats at you and it affects your mental wellness. Yeah, totally. I don't know about 
if, if you share that with me though, like when your clients come in and they're like having a hard or difficult day or like even a fantastic day, like how do you deal with that as a stylist showing up for your clients and making sure that you're also like taking care of you at the same time? I mean, that's part of the magic of being a hairstylist, I guess, being around so many different types of energy all in one day. It's almost like emotional whiplash sometimes, right? You yeah. finish off on a high with one client who is just like loving her life, excited to go to some party and whatever. Right. And Got a promotion. Is like, oh my gosh, I'm my, I'm getting a divorce and all this stuff. And I, you know, something terrible happens, you know, in a way I, I think part of our jobs as being a service provider and being in the industry to serve is to serve in some capacity, right? So I always am okay, usually with my clients venting in my chair, as long as it's not harmful or it's not something that is directly attacking me or, or anyone mm-hmm. that I, I won't tolerate someone taking out anything on myself or any of the people that work with me. Right. They are absolutely allowed to vent in my chair. And I, I typically will try not to dig, I guess, you know, I'll say, I'm so sorry. They can tell me as much as they want to tell me but I'm not going to go in and be like, oh, wow, like that sounds horrible. That person sounds like a jerk. Oh my gosh. Like I do try to turn it around and talk about things that are a little more positive. If sometimes someone just wants to vent, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them venting. And sometimes, like I said earlier with you, before we, we started this podcast, that we are sometimes the only person they feel safe venting to. We're not in their close friend circle usually. So they don't have this fear. It's going to go around you know, they might have that fear within their friend groups or, or talking to a loved one or a family member. So I'm okay with that. I'm not even sure how I'm able to like release that energy when they leave, but I, I am for the most part, I'm able to like release the energy and move on to my next client. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Are you, do you do that? Like how, how do you go about doing that? You know, I feel like that's something I sometimes struggle with a little bit because um, I feel very close with a lot of my clients and I've had them now for quite a few years. And, you know, if it's little things like a little drama workers, we hear that all the time. But when I have clients come in that are like really, really struggling with something much harder, if I'm being honest, like I wouldn't necessarily know and I wouldn't necessarily know what to look for. And so, you know, one of my missions is to better educate myself and then maybe one day create a way for us to be able to deal with that kind of stuff. You ask me, how do I deal with it? I have a very strong meditation practice and a yoga practice, and I can tell if I haven't been doing it because people's emotions cling to me like Velcro. Like they won't go away until I take the time to cleanse them off and I'll start acting crazy. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, okay, I haven't meditated in like a week. I need to do that. And then it's like a reset for me. I love my clients. And there, mm-hmm. there are plenty of times where I, I think about them throughout the day or wonder what mm-hmm. they're doing, or, you know, sometimes they'll say things that do concern me about them. There's one in, in particular who I know is going through a really rough time right now. And every so often I think of her and I've seen her change over the last few years. And I'm, I think she might be dealing with, you know, substance abuse. It sucks right. because there's not a lot you can do about it, except just be their hairstylist for that hour and a half when they come in. And that's, that's, I feel like all you can do. I can't let that affect me 
in my ability to, to do what I'm doing and to serve, you know, my, my people here at the salon and my other clients and my team members, you just, you have to keep moving forward and take one step at a time. And it sounds like you have a very healthy, stable head on your shoulders and like you're a strong leader. And it sounds like that's something that you do very well is you're able to put that experience like in a very healthy way. You can take it, live in it, and then move forward. I know there are a lot of people that aren't as good at that. And then they go into their next client and they're like in a terrible mood. Like even if it's just something as simple as like somebody was rude to them and then they're just in a bad mood the rest of the day and they bring that energy throughout the rest of their services for the afternoon. So I think it says a lot about you that you are so like resilient in that sense. Thanks. I try. I'm not perfect. But <laughs> no, it is. No, it is. I think what, what sticks with me more than anything is maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily the clients in my chair, but if I have, if one of my team members is dealing with, with a client or is struggling with that, mm-hmm. that is something that sticks with me throughout the day. And I'll think about them. I can usually tell if their head is still in that space, even though the client has left and it's the same with them. I can only do so much. I don't, you know, want to over be overbearing. I also just want to let them process it and get through it. Is there like a specific story or instance that you're thinking of? Yeah, actually late, like a few months ago, someone came in, it was a new client to see one of our stylists and she was like rude off the bat and it had to do with, with vaccination. So this person came in and was making comments that made my stylist feel very uncomfortable. And I was working on a client. So I kind of just peered over a little bit here and there to just see what was going on. And at one point, this stylist came into the break room and she started crying and she rarely, rarely cries. It's hard for me to, to yeah. watch that because it's like, I, I know that they're having a hard time. I know that this person's having a really hard time dealing with this client. So I went out and I, I chatted with the client for a minute and said, you know, Hey, how's everything going? The client was like, everything's fine. Why? You know, but then she was like, well, where's my stylist? And I kind of want to be like, well, she's, you know, in the back room cleaning up her tears because you're, <laughs> but no, I didn't say that. Right. No, you can't say that, but you want to be like, because you're yeah. being rude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she will be out in a moment. She's, you know, she's taking a moment mm-hmm. and, you know, she ended up getting herself together, coming back out, just finishing her and not rebooking her. But I know sure. that after that happened, it weighed on her throughout the entire day. And I think not only was she upset about, what had happened and the, the interaction and controversy, you know, with what the client was saying, mm-hmm. but also I think she felt embarrassed that people saw her cry, even though like, I mean, there's, you know, we, we're all here for one another. There's, it's all love, but I know that she felt kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I cried. I feel stupid that I cried. And I'm like, it's fine. Sometimes you just have to cry. Like that sucks that, you know, that you were put in that position and that kind I think weighs on me more than anything, more than I think anything my clients could say to me while sitting in my chair. And I don't, it's not like I care about my clients less or care about, you know, some people more than others. I think there's a level, especially if they're like people that have ever assisted you or if they've worked with you for a long time, that you feel a level of responsibility yeah. for their well-being and care. Yeah. They're like, you're, they're like, you're like baby ducklings and they're like coming to become 
grown-up ducklings or like beautiful geese or whatever they're going to be, you know, and you want to protect them from yeah. those kinds of experiences with their clients. If you can. Happens, it weighs on me. Like, what could I have done better? What could I have done differently? You know, did I do everything that I could have done? Right. Right. And I think of those things and like my, my kind of like where I fall in with the passion would be like, okay, so, but what tools does she have then to go make sure that she's okay when she goes to bed at the end of the night so that she can come back in the next day and still be like the best stylist she can be. And, you know, I think that we don't talk about that a lot in the beauty world. I feel like a lot of times we get caught up in trends and all the positive sides of what the beauty industry can do and how amazing it is that um, you can change how somebody feels about themselves at the end of the day by changing their haircut, changing their style. And that's all true. But there's also like the other side of that, of what all goes into that. And there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of experiences that we have that aren't always that perfect transformation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're obviously not like advertising, Hey, I had a really shitty day at the salon today. And somebody left really unhappy with their haircut, but (laughs) like we would never advertise that. But the reality is, it's like, sometimes that happens. And then like, how do we deal with that? You know, there's so much more to this job than just, you know, the, the before and after photos. I don't think people people see that enough. And I'm so glad that you're, you're shedding a light on it. And maybe we should talk about that more. Thank you. I wasn't anticipating how uncomfortable some of this seems to make people to talk about. And I think it's just because it's something we don't shed light on very often. Right. Right. I would love to know, is there anything else like around this topic or beauty industry, things you want to see goals you have, or topics you feel like we should be discussing more that we don't talk about enough? I mean, I love that we're bringing things like this to the surface. And also I I love that I've seen this, I don't want to call it a trend of hairstylists and salons working together more as a community than ever before. And, and I'm loving that. And I think social media has been a godsend for our industry. Yes. I feel like I see posts about people who complain about how social media has quote, like ruin the industry or people are just posting like their best work or, or whatever. Sure. I don't know why you would, you would post your worst work either, but <laughs> you know, I think it has brought us together and it has started these conversations. I'm seeing so many posts about, um, how to uphold your boundaries, how to even have boundaries in the first place and how to have a more like healthy environment, how to, you know, take care of yourself at work and, I love where, where our industry is going and I'm, I'm happy to see it headed in this direction. It's amazing that we're sitting here talking about mental wellness and, and self-care. Well, Emily, thank you so much. I'd love if you'd share for people where they can find you, if they want to follow your work or maybe you take a class, how can they reach out to you? Where can they find you? So you guys can come find me on Instagram at mchenhair, that's E-M-C-H-E-N hair. Um, I'm also on Facebook, a little bit on TikTok and Brooks and Harlow salon is our handle for the salon on Instagram and on, on Facebook and TikTok as well. I'm hopefully going to be starting an education program in 2022. So that's exciting. So keep your eyes peeled, you guys. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. 
So, well, Emily, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining me today. And hopefully next time I'm home, I'll like come in and get a blow dry or something while I'm there. Oh, I love that. And thank you so much for having me. This was great. I guess I didn't think I was the right person for it at first. And later talking to Lindsay, realized that I should. (laughs) I'm really glad you did. And I think that's what's going to make it really special is that we all come from different backgrounds in hair and do different things but have enough similarities in our experiences and what we want to see happen in the industry that it really all ties together. I'm really excited and I'm so grateful. So thank you so much. I can't wait, Paige. Thanks. Thank you. A huge thank you to Emily for being a guest today. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of the Hair Full of Secrets podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. I'm your host, Paige Klibanoff. Thanks for joining.